You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. And good morning, Birds 365 fans and friends. You got your Mac and Mac guys ready to hang with you for the next two hours on what is an Eagles game day. We've only got 20 of these a year, John McMullen. And as a matter of fact, for Birds 365, we have like five. We've got the three preseason games, one Monday nighter versus the Cowboys game three, one Thursday nighter versus the Buccaneers game six, all the rest of the Eagles game days fall on weekends when we're not here. So this is one of five times. We already used up one last week. We got yeah. one more today. Actual game days for the Philadelphia Eagles that we're here on Birds 360. You know, flex scheduling comes into it, Jody. So if they're better than expected and if they're as good as they looked against the Patriots, who knows? Second half of the season, we might have a lot of night games. But yeah. For me, it's great those day games. For I don't know, do people like primetime games? I don't know. I don't. I I never like them. I like football at one o'clock. That's my preference. I think that it's got a football feel about it on Sundays. But uh, obviously, all all us old school guys are like that. Give me my football on Sunday afternoon. I'll take four o'clock. I prefer one, but four o'clock is fine. Yeah, no, nighttime is not uh, for football. It, it is for uh, broadcast networks and put yeah. money in teams' pockets. I readily well, yeah, admit they need to that. Prime but... time, they need the primetime ratings, so it's understandable from their perspective. They're paying billions of dollars, and they want it. They want they want primetime viewing, and they get it. And the NFL delivers, so that's why we are where we are. But I I don't know, especially in the autumn, you know when. You hear John Pacenda's voice. I I just think one o'clock Sunday afternoon. That's what I think about football. If you are You're right. East, it's probably old school. If you are an East Coast team, yes, you want that game at one o'clock. Now, for those who like to get down to the game and begin their celebrations, <laughs> sometimes it's a little early yeah. to start drinking at ten a.m. But I think the Eagle. I have faith in Eagle fans that they will get it done. Not have an issue with how many one o'clock games do they play? Like. 10 out of 16, 11 out of 16. A lot. Uh, yeah, I haven't. Uh, I don't have the schedule in front of me. But, yeah, a lot. And that comes down to the fact that, remember, the Eagles have been a marquee team in this league for a lot of years. So they would have a lot of uh, uh, primetime games. And, you know, they fell on hard times last season. And that's what happens. You're sort of got to build yourself back up. It's almost uh, 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 like rebuilding an organization, rebuilding a team. What's up against Nick Sirianni? Uh, and when you're good again, because of the passion of this fan base, uh, they're going to have a lot of primetime games again. But yeah. uh, right now, people going in the season, they see rookie head coach. We've talked about this a lot. That's all it comes down to. 
they see rookie head coach, young unproven quarterback, and they think, okay, that's they're not going to be a good football team. And I think they're missing some of the context, starting with the offensive and defensive lines, which are really, really good. Uh, now, injuries always can play a part in this, especially with older players. We know this. We went through it last year with Lane Johnson and Brandon Brooks. But if guys like that are out there and Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham on the defensive side, Javon Hargrave, who, um, you know, tweaked his ankle this week. So he's having a great camp. If those guys are out there the majority of the time, uh, you're, you're pretty good. If you can, if you can block people and you can rush the passer, you're going to have a chance to win some games. I'll just say that. And that's certainly what we're hoping for with this year's Eagles team. All right, John, let's start with what is actually the hard news over the last 24 hours. And that's the fact that Tyreek Jackson, who you've been pretty impressed with in preseason and the practices and uh, what he's shown as far as uh, his growth in the tight end position and his athletic ability out there. We've debated on how the Eagles will handle him this year. Do you keep him on the 53? Then do you try and get him onto the practice squad? Are you going to have to carry him all year? If Zach Ertz is traded between now and the beginning of the season, it changes Tyreek Jackson's status considerably. Well, right now, Zach Ertz is still here, and Tyreek Jackson is not. Injured yesterday, uh, broke a bone in his back, but it's not going to be the type of injury where surgery is required, but the uh, immediate uh approximation of time he's going to be out is eight to 10 weeks, which is a fairly big chunk of time uh, with the juggling of the rosters and the rules in place. Give me your best guesstimate as to how the Eagles are going to handle Tyreek Jackson working under the assumption that the original diagnosis of eight to 10 weeks is accurate. Yeah, I think it becomes uh, somewhat of a difficult decision. Um, if it certainly if Zach Ertz is here, if Zach Ertz isn't and, the Sam Bradford situation manifests itself at tight end somewhere around this league. Um, and he's moved late. Um, I don't think it's that big of a problem. You just keep him on the back end of the roster. Uh, you, you, you put him on the 53, then you, you, you simply shift him to IR and you can bring him off when he's healthy and everything's copacetic. It, it's a little bit more difficult if Zach's going to be here. Uh, you're going to keep Zach, you're going to keep Dallas Goddard, and you're probably going to keep, obviously, Richard Rodgers. Although, as a best vested veteran, you have that trick where, okay, if Richard is on the 53 for week one, his salary for the entire season is guaranteed. So they could try to play that game and, and, and release him, um, as Dave Zangaro mentioned, uh, and, and hat tip to him, he's a vested veteran, so he doesn't have to go through waivers. So you can have – they did this with Corban LeBlanc last year. You can have that kind of wink-wink deal, say, okay, we're going to release you. We're going to bring you back in week two. And remember, as good as Richard Rodgers was for the Eagles last year, he's been on the open market a lot and hasn't drawn a lot of attention because teams in this league get enamored with height and athleticism and, and ability to stretch the field at that particular position, that's not just Richard Rodgers. He's sort of a serviceable guy. You think that is exactly what Tyree Jackson is. So people have seen Tyree Jackson and they see six foot seven and they see 250 pounds and they see the athleticism and they say, oh, that's a guy I might, might want to take a shot at. 
Um, so in a lot of ways, I think he's more difficult to get through waivers uh, than it would be to just release Richard Rodgers. So, you know, where are the Eagles? Are they okay with just a red show season? The problem with that is if they if they put him on injured reserve before the cut down to 53, he's done for the season. Right. Not that big of a deal from a playing standpoint, because I think people are skipping steps. He's a developmental project. He's where Jordan Mailata was early in his career. He's not ready to play this year. He's just got a huge upside for down the road, and you want to keep that upside because you know Zach Ertz isn't going to be here long term, even if he's going to be here this year. So, But the problem is if you just shut him down, if you put him on into reserve, that means you can't practice all year. And you want a developmental guy being able to practice when he's healthy and ready to go. So that complicates things a little bit. I don't want to overstate it, though, because, you know, in, in his second season, they had to put Jordan Mailata on injured reserve late later in the season. It's probably week 10. I'm just going off memory. But it was pretty significant chunk at the back end of the season. And he couldn't practice. And I said, well, that's not the best situation. But when you're in regular season mode, there's not a lot of time for the deep reserves anyway. You're just preparing for the next opponent week to week to week. Those guys are just on the scout team pretending to be somebody else. It helps, but I don't think it's that big of a deal if they do shut them down and just pick up the developmental project next spring. It'll be interesting. I think a lot hinges on Zach Ertz. A lot hinges on can they convince Richard Rogers of, of that scenario I just said with the wink wink deal? Look, Richard, hang out for a week, or we're going to bring you back week two. Uh, then I think they just keep him on the fifty three. Um, if not, they could they could shut him down. They could just put him on IR. Either way, he's going to be here. He's going to be with this organization. Right. You mentioned the wink wink nod nod deal with Rogers, which makes sense. The only problem with it, and if the Eagles got so uppity about it, I think it would be their problem, not Richard Rodgers' problem. If you release a guy and another team wants to pick him up and pay him the same thing you were paying him or even more, you can't blame the player for going, all right, Eagles, see you later, bye, and moving yeah. on to the next team because you can do the wink, wink, nod, nod as long as you want, but if someone has a better opportunity, you can't hold them to it. Go, wait, wait, we had a wink, wink, nod, nod. No, no. If somebody offers you a better deal, that's the only thing that matters. Now, the point you made about him being out there all offseason. He was there all offseason. The Eagles didn't sign him till later in the offseason. So you can judge the interest of the rest of the league around him. All the other teams have had the chance to look at their other tight ends in maybe one or two situations. And that's all you need is one or two. They might see more of a need for Richard Rodgers. A whole bunch of teams are going to see less of a need for Richard Rodgers because they like the guys they have in camp and have had them in camp all uh, year. So that they won't even think twice about a Richard Rodgers. But you never know because it only takes one. Uh, I'm with you. I think that Tyreek Jackson's future will probably be decided more by Zach Ertz than anything else and or the health of Dallas Goddard, Richard Rodgers. One of the two of those guys get hurt and they're going to be missing time as well then I think that would affect Roger, uh, Tyreek Jackson's status. But if all three of the other tight ends are healthy, when we get to that last cut, yeah, I think they might be forced to stash Richard Rodgers on the year, uh, the full year IR, because at least you're keeping him. Then you know you're not risking anything. You need all three of your tight ends. If Nick Sirianni is running that much more 
12 in practice, assuming that everybody's going to be healthy to make the switch back at that late stage of the preseason, I don't think would be a smart move. So that'll be determined by uh, whether Zach Ertz is still an Eagle green and the health of the other two Eagle tight ends more than anything else. Yeah. And something else I should put in the Eagles really like Jack Stoll as well, an undrafted uh, free agent. Now, they would like to get Jack Stoll on the practice squad, obviously, and they can get Jack Stoll on the practice squad. But if you want to play, play those games with Richard Rodgers, remember your third tight end is not going to play a lot, even if you play a lot of 12 personnel. You're not going to see major snaps unless somebody gets hurt. So you can keep Jack Stoll on, on, on the 53 as well uh, if you wanted that extra tight end, a healthy tight end. Uh, and you can play that game with Richard Rodgers and simply make the move of putting Stoll on the practice squad when you bring Richard Rodgers back. So there's a lot of moving parts. Uh, the problem is they do, don't want to put Tyree Jackson on waivers, uh, so they're not going to do it. So to them it comes down to is he going to be on the 53, um, and then we move him to injured reserve, or we're we just going to put him on injured reserve, not worry about it. He's a developmental guy, as I said. I do think people are assuming, oh, we're going to get Tyree Jackson. Not all people, some people. He's going to be a part of the offense. I, I don't think he's going to be a part of the offense at any time this year. He's not ready, but he's got tremendous, tremendous upside. And this is about 2022, 2023, when Zach Ertz isn't going to be here and Richard Rogers isn't going to be here. So you got to keep him here, and he's going to be a part of this offense down the road. That's the Eagles' plan. Um, so they just got to juggle this, and they're going to make the right decision for for how they feel. And, and basically, it comes down to how valuable is it being on the scout team? How valuable is it being out there practicing versus just being off the to the side doing mental reps? You can catch footballs. You can. You can condition, you can do all that stuff. You just can't be involved in the teamwork and that kind of stuff. All right. Uh, one question about uh, tonight, what we've got coming up, the exhibition game against the Patriots. A little different than last week. Last week, Steelers came to town. Eagles won the first half, which is usually the more important half of any exhibition games because most of your regulars, if they're going to get action, gets the action in the first half, which is certainly the way it went between the Eagles and the Steelers. Uh, so, yeah, they lost 24 to 16, but they won the first half, which certainly balances the scales. Uh, we know the Steelers from having watched them all last year. And after they showed up and we got a chance to see some of the players, we knew that much more. But going in, yeah, we didn't know as much about the Steelers as we surely did about the Eagles. This week, it's the Patriots. And you had an up-close-and-personal look at the Patriots the last couple of days with the joint practices. How does an exhibition game play the week after you've had joint practices as compared to other preseasons when the team just comes in? Uh, usually, they're AFC teams. This year, all three Eagles preseason games are against AFC teams. As a matter of fact, it's kind of weird with the Jets next week. And we'll talk about this plenty next week. They play the Jets in preseason. They're going to uh, practice with the Jets for a couple of days prior to the preseason. Oh, and then they play the Jets during the regular season as well. The biggest game that matters will be the fourth time the teams meet during the year. Two shared practices, an exhibition <laughs> game, and then a regular season game. Uh, what is this week's preseason game going to be like? How different is it because the two teams practice together twice leading up to it? Well, I think it becomes less important, unfortunately, for the fans who want to see the, the first uh, team uh, for 
a larger majority of the time. I think Nick Sirianni said this and he was honest about it. Look, I, I, I do more in practice uh, as far as showing his offense. You know, he's talked a lot about he thinks he has an advantage, at least early in the season, because nobody around the league knows what they're going to run from an offensive or, or defensive perspective. Um, now, you know, look, I think it's a little bit overrated. I think he's right, but it's only probably going to be for two or three weeks, and then people get the film, and they'll start adjusting, and they'll start realize, okay, here's what the Eagles are going to do. Uh, but it is an advantage for week one, and he's made it very clear that he and Jonathan Gannon on the defensive side of the ball are going to be very vanilla. So when we're at practice and we get to see him against the Patriots, we get to see more of the offense, believe it or not, than in a real season, uh, a real preseason game. Um, so it's less important when you have those uh, joint practices before the game. Um, and when the head coach admits that in public, it kind of tells you where they are. And it's 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 a number of, for a number of different reasons. I know Doug Peterson used to tell me, look, in a in a practice, you could script what you want to work on. You you gotta hope, you gotta cross your fingers that comes up in a game if you want to work on a particular thing. So a lot of coaches value those joint practices more than preseason games. I know my buddy Colin Thompson because he's, you know, Carolina Panthers tight end. You know, he's one of those guys fighting for a roster spot. So preseason games mean so much to those types of players. Um, and and he never liked hearing that. And, and, you know, but I'm saying that's the way coaches think now. I mean, they're they're paying attention. So be on your be on your be on your best when when you're in those joint practices. If you're that type of bubble player. Uh, would be my advice. And, and Nick Sirianni come, came out and, and didn't even bother doing it off the record. He said it on the record. He said the exact same thing. And, oh, by the way, a uh, key element to it is the joint practices that the Patriots and Eagles are running together, there's no film on that. You just go out and do what you want to do. You put in the plays that you want to put in. You work on what you want to work on. And you have faith that the other team and the Patriots, they don't play this year. So what would be the advantage of them knowing what the tendencies are on either offense or defense for the Philadelphia Eagles? Well, they're kind of uh, held under wraps. They're not going to go out and discuss it. Gonna, as soon as the practice, oh, Belichick's not getting on the phone with the uh, Jerry Jones no, and tell him, here's what no, the Eagles yeah. are going to do this year. That's not happening. When you well, play the game on Thursday night, it's going to be on the NFL Network. So yeah. anything you do is going to be out there for another team to grab the film of and evaluate and remember, and it could come back to uh, help them at a future date. Uh, it's kind of like uh, what st happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. What happens in co-practices uh, stays in co-practices. There's no sharing of information. And the one thing this uh, new Eagle coaching staff seems to be leaning toward, and correct me if you think I'm wrong, certainly Gannon uh, more so than, than Sirianni, deception is going to be a key. They think they're going to surprise some people this year, so keeping what you want to do under wraps seems to be important to the Philadelphia Yeah, Eagles. and Nick Sirianni said what you just said, what's, what's uh, you know, what stays in Vegas, you know, that the old adage, I can't even think about it now, and you just said it. But the point is, Jody, and, and he said the same thing we're talking about. And people laugh when you say trust uh, with Bill Belichick, 
you know, because of his history. But the Eagles trust the Patriots in that fact that when you when you put together your preseason schedule, I think a lot of people don't realize you're negotiating with teams near you. Everybody wants to stay close to home. So the Eagles want a good relationship with the Patriots and want a good relationship with the Jets. They want these, and obviously they played the Jets in the preseason uh, for since the beginning of time, it seems like. Uh, they have a good relationship with these organizations. This is the third time the Patriots have been in since the Chip Kelly era. I mean, they do this a lot, and it's for that reason. You know, Jeffrey Lurie obviously gets along with Robert Kraft. Howie Roseman has a tremendous relationship with the Patriots. Um, so the organizations get along. And, yeah, Nick Sirianni said, yeah, one team's going to get this film. You know, every team's going to get the film on Thursday night. He said the exact same thing. Well, well you know, smart minds think alike. That's why yeah. I'm a Sirianni fan. Well, I assume you've read the transcript. That's why. <laughs> I, uh, I hadn't. Uh, it's just uh, yeah, we you said the exact same thing, but before you, Jody. So, but I believe you because I trust you. We have a good relationship, just like the Patriots and Eagles. That's, there you go. It's the Mac and Mac guys. All right. We'll spread that trust coming up next. Our first guest is a guy who's going to be a little busy tonight. McMullen's going to be down the uh, press row from him in the booth, uh, in the press box, in the booth tonight on the Eagles television network. Is going to be Ross Tucker. He'll be on the call with Scott Graham on the Eagles preseason game coverage. At former NFL offensive lineman standout Ross Tucker scheduled to join us next right here on Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Mad guys here with you on Birds 365 and Eagles game day. We only get a handful of these a year, so we're a little excited about it. We'll hang for another hour and change to get puffy. As a matter of fact, right now, hopping on board with us is the host of the Ross Tucker podcast. Follow him on Twitter at Ross Tucker NFL. And one thing I can say for sure, he's sweating less now than he was at the end of last week's game. Uh, we'll see how, how much he sweats after tonight's game. Ross Tucker joins us here on Birds 365. How are you, Russ? I am doing awesome, fellas. Uh, I already was tweeting this morning at Ross Tucker NFL. I am so pumped for tonight. We're the only game on. I mean, Eagles Patriots yeah. is the only game on tonight. So uh, not only will it be available locally, which is terrific, but NFL Network is carrying the game. So I'm breaking out my best suit. Uh, I'm totally prepared. I'm ready to go. And I told Quez Watkins yesterday, I said, Quez, I need you to do that again. Because <laughs> you, you, you brought out the best in me, Quez. He yeah. said, I'll do the best I can. <laughs> yeah, standalone game. Time to shine, Ross Tucker. And a little inside baseball. I know the one guy who's going to beat me to the press box is Ross Tucker. Especially morning games, which is amazing. Because I get yeah, You know early. what's funny? Jody Mack, this is funny. The only other guy that gets to the stadium four hours before the game is your boy John McMullen. <laughs> I just realized, by the way, this should this could be like the J Mac Squared show. Jordan yeah, Mac and John you know McMullen, J Mac Squared. But John is always there. Now I know why I'm there early, John, because I like to eat before yeah. I have to do a three-hour pregame show. What's your excuse? Well, people will think I like to eat because I'm a big guy, but no, it's traffic. I do everything to avoid traffic, Ross. So I don't want to deal with any kind of traffic and any so i say i'm gonna work at home why don't i just go down there and work what's, yeah, what's that's me that's me yeah. i despise traffic i will get places yeah. so early or leave late uh i just don't like it by the way i don't know what happened but last game there was more traffic getting out of there than they're usually i don't think they had everything open but uh, i was so happy about the game and I, you guys know like everybody listening or watching you have to know the exact way that you would feel if you as an Eagles fan got to be the one calling the Eagles, that's how I feel. Like how you guys would feel, I just want everybody to know, listening, watching, whatever, that is how I feel. I really do think it's that cool, especially because you guys know, like I'm from Reading, all my buddies live in Philly or whatever. I, I, I get so many text messages and stuff. My mom the next day is like, oh, your aunt called and this lady I play bridge with. I'm like, mom, that hey, if the lady you play bridge with enjoyed my broadcast, then I've made it. 
There we and go. And by the way, Ross, you you okay, Quez taking a bubble screen 79 yards would be great. But even better would be Jalen Rager bringing that catch to national television for practice the other day. The one-handed OBJ-like grab at the back of the end zone just became a viral sensation. We need that in the game. We need Ross Tucker calling that. Uh, I would go berserk if that happened. You know, it's kind of funny, isn't it, guys, that all these years where the Eagles have struggled at receiver, and with that being a big concern again, I guess, this year, you know, it's 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 a very limited sample size for Quez Watkins. But, John, you go to practice every day in camp. He's had an outstanding camp. And you run a 4-3-5 at the Combine, you're fast. You make an NFL defensive back look as bad as he made that poor kid for the Steelers, you are fast. And then Rager's making a bunch of plays now. We know about his athletic ability. And Devontae did some stuff this week in practice. You know, there's a chance, right, that they end up having three young, explosive stud receivers. Now, we'll see if it plays out, you know, but – I mean, that, that is a realistic possibility as one of the outcomes with having these three young studs. Russ, we got two possessions out of uh, the starting quarterback last week. We knew it wasn't going to be a long-term thing for game number one in the preseason. We're all expecting Hurts to play a little bit more this week, and no one knows. I don't even know if Nick Sirianni knows how much a little bit more is because it'll depend on how successful the first and second possessions are. We probably get a little bit more of a look at Mr. Hertz. Three of seven didn't look good on paper, but you saw it. You called it a couple of drops. Didn't help him at all. And the one pass to Watkins was just slightly overthrown. If he had cut that just a little bit, then that's a major play that we're all talking about for the next uh, however many weeks, if not years. Um, how much more do you think we're going to see out of Jalen Hurts tonight if Nick Sirianni gets what he wants out of his quarterback? You know, I don't know, Jody Mack, just in the sense that after those two joint practices with the Patriots, different guys play it differently. Some guys will still have their guys play a lot. Some guys won't. You know, obviously we'll find out tonight what the Eagles' plan is. But the point I want to make that you referenced, I thought Jalen Hurts played really well. I mean, I told somebody the other day, if the O-line stays healthy and the D-line stays healthy, and Hertz just plays like he did on those two series, the Eagles will be a lot better than people think they are going to be. Um, I know the expectations are low, which I kind of like because I feel like they're going to exceed them. But, I mean, the throw he made to Dallas Goddard was terrific in rhythm. Even the first play where he bought some time and then found Ertz, I thought was a really smooth play operationally from Hertz. Obviously, Ertz had a very uncharacteristic drop on a third down that would have continued that drive, forced the field goal. His throw to Rager wasn't great, but I think even Rager would tell you he should have caught that one. And then the Watkins one is interesting. Now, maybe Hertz could have put a little more air under it, but Watkins got bumped off a little bit later on in the route. You know, the guy got a hand on him. And when you're talking about – people don't realize this. Like You're talking about like a ball 50 yards in the air, right? The timing has to be really on on that. So, so Watkins getting bumped a little bit 
I think is why he wasn't quite able to get there. But just the fact that Watkins was able to dust a Steelers corner. I mean, he had him by three steps. I mean, yeah. once he got off that yeah. second bump, he had the dude by three steps. And then, and then the other incompletion was Hurts just throwing the ball away. So I thought he played really well, certainly better than anybody looking at the box score would think. Yeah, and I think Nick Sirianni described it as crisp, crisp raw. So um, I think he played very well. You're, you're right, small sample size, 10 snaps. And by the way, Jalen brought up that play to Quez. He mentioned he got bumped. It throws off the timing. Also, they were backed up, and he said, my first job essentially is a quarterback. Don't take the safety. So he probably did hurry it a little bit and got it out a little bit quickly. And I think that's good from a football IQ standpoint that he's realizing, look, there's one thing I can't do here, and that's take a safety. I, I do want to shift to what you said. If the offensive line, we all know Brandon Brooks and Lane Johnson, you know, it's, they, they have looked unbelievable. The defensive line on this team has looked dominant. Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargrave, before he tweaked his ankle. I don't think he's going to play tonight. But I, I, I do want to bring up this to you as a former NFL player. When I hear if, 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 all those ifs aren't going to go in a positive direction. You know, some of them are going to go in a negative direction. So how concerning is the uncertainty of so many ifs? If this happens, if that happens, if this happens. It's a fair point because what I always say is when people are talking to me about what I think who the Super Bowl contenders are or what our team's record will be, it really just comes down to how many questions are there, right? Yeah, like how many yeah. questions are there about the team and what are they? Whereas there are other, you know, teams, you know, the Chiefs or whoever, maybe the Buffalo Bills where like there aren't really that many questions. So the Eagles certainly have more questions than a lot of these other teams. But, John, what team is it where if the O-line gets hurt, they're just totally fine, right? Like, I know it's if the O-line is healthy and if the D-line is healthy, but they're saying that for every team. And, by the way, Eagles actually have pretty good offensive line depth. You know, because of what happened last year, they got a lot of dudes that have played a bunch of games, whether it's, Pryor or Driscoll or Herbig, they'll eventually get Landon Dickerson. So I think that they are better suited to sustain an injury if one happens this year. Rush, you saw week number one. You've been down to practices several times. Um, you certainly saw the Birds play all their games last year. They've got an interesting battle on their own defensive line. They've got two guys who are up for contract. At the end of the year, who they've used in rotations and will use in rotations again this year in uh, Barnett and Sweat. As a former offensive lineman in the National Football League, they both have strengths and I don't want to call them weaknesses, but the rest of their game, which would you have the tougher time with? What Sweat does on a down-in, down-out basis or what Barnett does as a down-in, down-out basis as a guy who would have to try and block him? So I think Sweat... It's kind of weird to say this since he's the fourth-round pick and Barnett's the first-round pick. I think Sweat is a little more naturally gifted, and I think Sweat has better pass rush skills and traits. I feel like the thing that hurts Barnett is how high he was drafted. You know, the expectations are so high. If Barnett was a second or third round pick, yeah, he would be very happy with that. Ross Johnson said that about twenty times over the last four weeks here on the show. Said the oh, exact really? same but, thing. But, but the exact not. thing. 
So here's like, I'll tell you what I love about Barnett. He's still only 25. He plays so hard. Like yeah. he, Barnett is like, um, I think he's an ideal Robin, right? Like he's not a Batman, but I think he's an ideal sidekick because he is relentless and he's good against the run. He gives tremendous effort. He's going to get you like five hustle sacks a year just because of how hard he plays. And I still don't think we've seen the best from him because of the injury bug, which I think is partially because of how hard he plays. I mean, even the other day at the joint practice on Monday I was at, he dropped in coverage and smoked the tight end for the Patriots. I mean, Barnett is a physical dude. And I think for the Eagles, I don't know, right now, I guess they'll probably, my guess is they'd probably end up playing about the same amount of snaps, you know, 40% each maybe. I don't know what the number is, but um, because I think they got some other guys they can rotate through as well. But I think they'll play a bunch of snaps. I think it will sort itself out. Uh, You know, with Brandon Graham's age being what it is, I'm not, I wouldn't be shocked if the Eagles wanted to try to find a way to bring both those guys back. I don't know if that's going to happen, but yeah. they're both good players. Yeah, and and Jonathan Gannon has said they're both starters. He considers them both starters. But yeah, Ross, I said the same thing. If if Barnett's the forty first pick in that draft instead of the fourteenth pick, people say, "Oh, that's a really good, that's a really good solid player." And it's interesting how pedigree works because Josh Sweat's got that fourth round tag on him. People don't realize. When he went to Florida State, he was maybe the top recruit in the entire country coming out of high school, but he had a really bad leg injury that that sort of had him tumbling, people questioning to this day, how long is that knee, how long is that leg going to hold up? Well, and that's, from, yeah, yeah, from a from an athletic standpoint, he's unbelievable with the length and the size. It, it's just it, – it, he's got the full package – and by the way, he reminds me, this is ironic as well, he reminds me of Montez Sweat in Washington. Just the length to, to, to bat down balls at the line of scrimmage, great pass rusher. I think he's ready for a breakout season. Yeah, maybe those guys are related. I don't even know. But, <laughs> um, you know, he was the number one ranked recruit in the country for a reason. You know, I will say this, in terms of a contract extension, the Eagles know a lot more about Josh Sweat's knee and Barnett's injury history than we do. But those things absolutely are a factor. I would just say, you know, even last Thursday night, I'm mad I didn't circle him right before the play, but I saw Josh was in, bottom of the screen, and I was like, Josh Sweat, third and long, here we go. And he ducked under, went under uh, the left tackle for the Steelers and got good pressure on Rudolph. I think Sweat, if you look at his pressures and his activity per snap last year I think he was one of the highest guys in the league I mean I'm curious to see what he does getting even more opportunities it's funny that you mentioned Batman and Robin you want to get really optimistic here uh sweat kind of reminds me of a former Batman here in town by the name of Clyde Simmons who played across from a guy named White that you may recognize. If there ever was a Batman, Reggie White was it. We had a damn good uh, Robin and uh, the, the former partner on the other end, Clyde Simmons, all those years ago. You know, but- you know, uh, Jody Mack, you know, that was my heyday as a fan. And that was go, going to games or watching them. I mean, 
Reggie and Clyde Simmons and Mike Pitts and Mike Golick and Jerome Brown. I mean, that was a bad. And the thing is, I got to look it up again. In my head, Clyde Simmons and Reggie were like 290, 300 pounds playing the end. I mean, to me, they looked huge. Clyde Simmons was a huge guy. John talked about batting balls down. Clyde Simmons was superior at that. He got his hands in the passing lane as good as any defensive end during that time. All right, I want to keep the Batman-Robin analogy going. Eagles safety. We know who's going to start at one position, and that's the addition during the offseason of Anthony Harris, who John tells me has looked pretty good in practice. The other safety position seems to be open because we don't know what Rodney McLeod is. Is he going to be ready for game one? If not, is it going to be week two or week three? If it's going to be a couple weeks in, who is going to be the other guy out there? How do you think the Eagles safety position shakes out for the first month of the season, Ross? Well, it's interesting because in the production meeting yesterday, I, I got a chance to ask Jonathan Gannon, the defensive coordinator, about that, and he feels pretty good about it. He likes the the depth they have there and the makeup of those guys. He mentioned Epps. He mentioned Kayvon Wallace, who I think he did some stuff this week, right, John? Yeah, he did. He was back. Yeah, so hopefully he gets some run tonight. And then, obviously, uh, Andrew Adams. So I think they feel like they can win with any of those guys in there. And it's just a matter of what skill set – they want to complement Anthony Harris with and how they want to use Anthony Harris, right? So I feel like, and this is just me, but it seems like Epps is more of a deep, deep middle of the field safety coverage guy and Kayvon Wallace is more of a box guy, right? So I feel like if they want to use Anthony Harris more deep middle, like he did a lot in Minnesota, that maybe Wallace is the guy (laughs) that has a little bit of an edge there because he's more of a box guy. Whereas if they want to play more Harris, more in the box, then maybe absolutely. My point is, is there's a lot of different factors involved. Yeah, It's not just who that safety is, like who they think the best guy is. It's what coverage they want. I mean, it might even be a matchup thing until McLeod. Are we going to be in the box a lot? Or are we going to be a two deep safeties a lot? If we're going to be two deep safeties a lot, maybe we want to have Epps and his coverage back there. If we're going to be one safety in the box a lot, maybe we want Wallace because he's, he's got more of that physicality. You know, there's a lot of factors that are going to go, go into that decision, I think, and it might even be a week-to-week thing. Yeah, you bring up a good point too, Ross, because I think the late addition of Steve Nelson coming here right before training camp, that, that gives JG more options because I think if they had to put Michael Jaquette out there or Zach McPherson, unproven corners – they're probably playing more cover two or cover three, and that's where Marcus Epps would be. And now he, he may be mixing matches in games if Rodney's not allowed and sort of lets those guys kind of kind of uh, complement each other. You don't want to get too, you know, see Capon Wallace, so they're going to be in this defense. See Marcus Epps, they're going to be in this defense. But I think JG's a pretty inventive guy. I got to shift. I got an NFL offensive lineman here, so I got to shift to the offensive line. Everybody knows Jordan Monlon is the starting left tackle, uh, but Nick Sirianni won't admit that, same as quarterback. I don't think it's that big of a deal. But your your take on Jordan Monlon, and I know you were on that train early, just when he got here, I remember the first practice, Ross. The guy didn't know how to put on a helmet to where he is today. It's pretty stinking amazing. I can't think of a, a, a comparable 
uh, ascent as Jordan Mailata. Well, so let's put this in perspective. It's his fourth year ever playing football. For me, that was ninth grade. And by the way, I had grown up watching football all the time since I was four years old. So I try to think about like what I knew about the sport in ninth grade. And my lot of this is fourth year. And he didn't grow up watching it like I did. What I say about my lot is I think he's got a high ceiling and a high floor. I feel like last year was the floor, right? He's going to be better this year than he was Mm -hmm. last year. So that now becomes the floor. And I think that floor is good enough. But the ceiling is, I mean, ceiling's as high as anybody in the NFL. I mean, they're just not making six foot eight, 365 pound human beings that move as well as Jordan does. There's just not a lot of them. What does Parcells call those guys? Planet guys. There's only a couple of them on the planet. I think you're cheating, Jordan, by the way. He's up to 380. Don't. He's up to 380. That would not surprise me, John. I go by what they're listed as, which we yeah. know is always 100% accurate. <laughs> <laughs> I got another offensive line question for you, Ross. Uh, you referenced him earlier, and uh, I want to get a further take. If it fits what you went through at some point during your career, Landon Dickerson, second-round draft pick. People said he would have been a first if he hadn't gotten hurt at the end of the year. Eagles are bringing him along at the pace that they think is best. I'm guessing that the kid is chomping at the bit, that he wants to get out there so bad. He wants to hit somebody. He wants to play because that's what he is. And his reputation is that he's a very physical player to begin with anyway. So he wants to get at it. Did you at any time in your career have a significant enough injury where the team was yeah, we'll bring you along slowly. We're not going to throw you to the walls right away. And you would think, just give me a chance. Let me get out. Let me hit somebody. Did you ever have to deal with that? And how does the team best deal with a player who's so chomping at the bit to get back at it, but they're not sure it's the right thing to do and they don't want to take the risk? Yeah, I mean, I had a back surgery. And here's the thing. When you're an active player, watching practice is actually really boring. Like, it's fun for John and for me to go to practice now and watch it. But when you could be out there playing, watching practice. I remember in Buffalo, I missed the first couple weeks of camp coming off a back surgery. And I remember thinking, gosh, this is actually really boring. Like, I I can't wait to get out there and actually play um, because it is. It, It is boring. It's not fun. Not only that, rehab stinks. You know, like being in the trainer's room and all the different things you have to do. It's not fun. It's not enjoyable at all. So yes, I'm sure he wants to be out there, but the Eagles depth along the offensive line gives them the opportunity where they don't have to force him back. They don't have to rush him back and they're not gonna, I mean, they invested a, a very important asset in him. And I think that's for the long haul. Ross, and I, I want to encourage everybody to listen to the Ross Tucker podcast, which is obviously one of the best uh, NFL podcasts out there, at Ross Tucker Pod. You see him there on Twitter, at Ross Tucker NFL. Um, Ross, we started with Jalen Hurts, how, how sharp he was in, in, a, in a limited sample size. I, I want to close out. My final question is what you think of Jalen Hurts as a leader, what, what he's done with this team guys seem to gravitate towards him. And let's be honest, these Deshaun Watson rumors, they don't go away when it comes to the Philadelphia Eagles. 
Joe Banner was out there this week in the Philadelphia Inquirer saying, yeah, the Eagles are interested. A lot of people have reported that. I've reported that. The Eagles are interested. This kid seems to handle all the white noise so well, all the ancillary stuff. Nick Saban calls it rat poison. Maybe that's where he he learned it. It's pretty impressive for a young kid to be able to do this. Is that just natural, or is that because what he went through at Alabama? What's your What's your take on that? I think playing at Alabama in that spotlight helped him quite a bit. I mean, remember, he started in the national championship game as a true freshman, right? Um, and won it. And then I also think the adversity he went through at Alabama, getting benched, being a backup, transferring to Oklahoma – you know, I think once you go through all that, I don't think anything else is going to phase you anymore. And I'll say this. I talked to him last week. He is a very calm, cool customer. I mean, he didn't, he, you know, I asked him a bunch of questions and, you know, he's very relaxed, very comfortable in that setting. And he's a cool customer. I mean, he, you know, he didn't say a lot, uh, but what he did, he meant it. Ross, you mentioned that for uh, doing your pregame stuff to be able to get ready to do the broadcast, you are given access to the coaches and get a chance to uh, shoot the breeze with them and find out a couple of things ahead of time. What's the excitement level of this coaching staff right now? They've got one exhibition game under their belt. They've got two more to go and then the whole regular season. But they're all new together. This staff was just put together during this offseason. You're trying to accomplish things. You're trying to get prepped and as ready as you are. But you're also pretty damn excited. Like you were just talking about when you were a player. Practice is boring. Well, the coaches are involved in practice. They do what they do. They coach. So they're in the midst of it every single day. How do you balance the excitement against the, I got a job to do. I got to stay in the moment and stay focused and get ready for the regular season. Does it seem to you like the coaches are doing that balancing act well? Yeah, I mean, when you think about last Thursday night was Nick Sirianni's first time as a head coach ever. It was Jonathan Gannon's first time calling a defense ever. I mean, that's a lot of newness. Yep. And the thing that both those guys have said to me separately is they are going to make some mistakes this year, and they know that. But coaches make mistakes all the time, whether we see them or not. Their whole thing is they're going to own it to the players if they make a mistake, own up to it, and then – do whatever they can to not make the same mistake twice, which, you know, you hear all the time, but you don't often hear coaches saying that and admitting to that. Ross, yeah, before we... Real quick, Ross, I did want to sneak one thing in because I forgot to bring it up with you. The practices, the length of the practices have been a big story. Uh, 70 minutes at times, 75 minutes, a lot of movement, not much downtime, but as a former player, uh, and you know the limitations on the system as a whole because of the new collective bargaining agreement. But can you get your work done in that kind of uh, time frame? Is Nick Sirianni ahead of the game? Is he doing things uh, a, a little bit outside of the box? How is that kind of stuff taken? Well, so first of all, you know, I don't think it's just a Nick Sirianni decision. I think it's an organizational decision. Yeah. Second of all, the concern would be the physicality, right? Because they're getting the walkthroughs in. They're getting the mental part of it in. Well, I said this the other night. I mean, Jordan Howard destroyed Robert Spillane from the Steelers on a blitz. That was amazing. 
You know, the first offensive line blocked very well. The first defensive line, Javon Hargrave was out there killing dudes. The tackling from Singleton was really good. Sean Bradley was really good. Uh, Jaquette, McPherson. So what would be a concern to me would be the physicality and the tackling with the shorter practices, but I didn't see that. I mean, it, it, we'll see tonight, but I didn't see that certainly in week one. Ross, we know you'll be zoned in for tonight's game on top of your game, trying to impress your mom's friends uh, in calling tonight's <laughs> Eagles game. Uh, but a couple above and beyond things. When does the Ross Tucker podcast drop every week? Yeah, so it's uh, off-season. It's three times a week. So I just did one with Greg Cosell this morning, breaking down all the rookie quarterbacks. And then we're a couple weeks away from it being daily. So if you want your 30 minutes of on-demand audio or video content from a former player, um, I do it Monday through Friday starting uh, week one of the NFL season. It's three times a week right now. I got a betting one, the Even Money podcast, a fantasy one, fantasy feast. I even got a college one. So try to have all the angles covered that people are really into in terms of listening to football. He's getting into it every single day, starting soon with the beginning of the regular season. And something you've been doing for a couple of years now. You told me about this for the first time a couple of years ago. Myfrontpagestory.com. Uh, the first time you told me, I go, wow, that sounds really cool. You're still working on that, huh? A buddy of mine started it. I'm in it with him now. It, I'm just telling you guys, it's the best gift ever. Whether it's a birthday, anniversary, especially like Mother's Day, Valentine's Day. You literally talk to a writer, somebody like John McMullen, for 10 minutes about your wife or your mom. They write the most unbelievable story about them. And then, guys, <laughs> it's framed with a picture of them. It looks like it's on the cover of the newspaper. It looks like it's on the cover of the Daily News or the Inquirer or whatever, right? It, it looks beautiful. And then when you give it to them, here's the key. I mean, all John ever does with his wife is gives her <laughs> – a gift card to Olive Garden and takes her out to the Olive Garden every year for his her birthday. Okay, John, come on, I go, I go high, I go higher than that. Come on, Ross. Okay, Chipotle, Chipotle, yeah. fine, right, Chipotle. Right. I got it. But you can still give it to her and be like, "Hey, honey, I want to do something special for you this year." So I had somebody write a story about you. Your wife will be like, "You had somebody write a story about me," and then when you she'll be like, "Oh my gosh," when she sees it, and then when she reads the quotes, where you're like. I just don't tell her enough how much I appreciate everything she does for like, she will cry. I told my buddy, the name of the, it should be myfrontpagestory.com. She will cry. You will win myfrontpagestory.com. Well, you're probably right. 99% of the time, my wife would say, why the hell didn't you write it? You're right. Russ, between you and me, McMullen's wife would say, I know you didn't write this. It's too well written. <laughs> it can't be you, McMullen. Uh, myfrontpagestory.com. Check it out. Russ Tucker, we'll be watching you tonight, brother. Try and stay cool there in the booth. Are you going to have the window open again? Yeah, I think I might wear like one of those little fan things around yeah. my neck, those like fan thingers. I don't I gotta do I gotta figure something out, man. <laughs> we'll be, we'll be watching you we'll be watching you sweat nice, and we'll be listening to you all night. Ross, thanks for coming on. We'll get you on when the season rolls around. Sounds great. Take care. Thanks for having me. All right, pleasure. That's Ross Tucker, ex NFL player turned <laughs> Eagles pregame analyst uh, does a great job on uh, NBC 10 here in town and we'll be on the call again tonight with Scotty Graham so you gotta check out uh, Ross's work tonight because we know you'll all be watching the Eagles. McMullen will be down here. I'll be sitting at home watching a game like you guys. 
We'll continue to break it down for you. John's right-hand man, Eddie Kratz, going to join us next hour. We're coming right back here on Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Game day Thursday here on Birds 365 with the Mac and Mac guys. Eagles Patriots tonight from Lincoln Financial Field after a couple of days of joint practice. How will that affect the game tonight? I already got that out of Mr. McMullen in hour number one. Get a little bit more specific here in hour number two about Eagles players and what's going to happen with them in evaluation mode uh, tonight. John, a lot of teams in the National Football League are flexible between playing a 3-4 defense 
and a 4-3 defense. That has not been the case with the Eagles during the Jim Johnson era. Uh, you go all the way back to Jim Johnson. I meant Jim Schwartz. Uh, he was a 4-3 guy. We assume Gannon's going to be a 4-3 guy. The question comes down more to uh, the number of linebackers as compared to D-backs more than the number of defensive linemen as compared to linebackers. That, to me, makes the linebacker position a questionable one and one we don't know enough about yet on how the new defense quarter, John, uh, Jonathan Gannon, is going to deploy them. Who are the linebackers that you'll specifically be watching tonight that if they play well enough or play poorly enough, that it will actually influence Gannon on, all right, well, I'm going to have two linebackers on the field more and I'll get more of my D-backs on. Or, no, I got three good linebackers, which means I'm going to make good with four defensive backs. From a linebacker's perspective, who are the guys tonight you've got a tight eye on, tight eye on that you think could actually have an effect on how they're going to be played during the year? Well, number one, I think it's been interesting how they've uh, – played the Sam position, the strong side linebacker position, because they've sort of made that into a hybrid pass rushing position um, with former defensive linemen. Jannard Avery um, is technically first on the depth chart, but he's dealing with a little bit uh, of a groin injury. Uh, Joe Osman uh, got moved there. He's dealing with a concussion. Uh, Patrick Johnson, who is their rookie seventh-round pick, played uh, on the edge of Tulane, making the shift to linebacker, and I put that in quotations, uh, at the NFL level. So it's been those three guys. Now, I kind of wonder if that's where Ryan Kerrigan's going to be. Now, he's out with the thumb surgery, um, although he's he's been at practice. He's, you know, he's around. It's not a serious injury. So he's going to be there week one. The only question is, to date, they haven't used Ryan in that role. To date, he's been on the defensive line, defensive end with making that. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You know, that's one of the best rotations on paper in the league. We talked about Josh Wett and Derek Barnett with Ross Tucker, Brandon Graham, Ryan Kerrigan. That's pretty stinking good um, at the defensive end position. So, number one, look, they're not going to play a lot of three linebacker sets because the, 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 the league is just – defense is a reactionary business. you got to react to what the offense is doing. And most teams in this league like to put three receivers on the field. We talk about a lot from the Eagles' perspective. They've been trying to get to that point, but they haven't been able to develop receivers to get to that point. Well, most teams do. Most teams want to play the majority uh, 11 personnel, three receivers on the field. You can't have Patrick Johnson or Gennard Avery trying to cover tight ends or wide receivers, uh, even if it's underneath in those types of zone coverages. So you bring the extra uh, defensive back on the field, which is why the nickel position is really a starting position. used to be called a sub-package. Now the sub-package is your actual 4-3. The base 4-3 look is the sub-package. So Avante Maddox is really the starter. Um, 
And then whoever wins that role, whether it's Gennard Avery or Patrick Johnson, I would think it would come down to those two would be the sub package player playing make maybe 20% of the time, maybe even a little bit less. And then you go from there. Are you, are you going to be used dime to, uh, two extra defensive backs on the field. Um, you're going to do that a lot. Uh, where Jonathan Gunn is going to be a little bit different than Jim Schwartz, is I, I think he's more willing to use different looks as far as fronts go, uh, multiple fronts as we call it. He might have five defensive linemen out there. He's shown that look. He might at times use a 3-4 look, but – you know, Brian Kerrigan's going to be a stand-up rusher. Maybe he'll look to the eye like a like a linebacker, but he's not really a linebacker. So he's going to do some different things as far as that goes. But, yeah, I mean, this is a base 4-3 team because, number one, their defensive linemen are a heck of a lot better than their linebackers. But the two core linebackers, look, it's going to be Eric Wilson. It's going to be Alex Singleton, barring injury. And unfortunately, right. Davion Taylor's a guy we talked a lot, a lot, a lot early in camp. He got injured, and he's fallen beyond. He's going to make the football team, but it, it, it was a little bit disappointing because it looked like he was going to get a chance to push for playing time. That's probably out the window now because he's just a raw player that's missed too much time in training camp. You mentioned that uh, the new D.C. Uh, Coach Gannon is going to give you different looks on the front. Well, one of the reasons that he can do that, at least the way that he's looked so far in practice, has been Milton Williams, that he has been effective both inside and outside. He's shown some quickness. He and uh, Ty McGill uh, teamed up on, for me, what was the most impressive defensive play in week number one when they just obliterated the pocket and pushed it straight back into the quarterback's face. Mill Williams is going to play for this team and do so early in the season, is he not? Yeah, I think he's going to play, but I think he's not going to play a lot. So if you think about the rotation, remember I just said this is this is a really talented front. So if you start talking about 60 reps, uh, an average game, we'll just say you're in that range. We'll just use that as an example. Well, how much is Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave going to be out there? They want to rotate to keep those guys fresh for the fourth quarter. Uh, so you're talking minimum 40. I mean, that's, you know, if you're being really disciplined, it's tough to take Fletcher Cox off the field. Um, so if you're being really disciplined, then you say there's a total of 40 snaps for the other guys. And you got to talk about Hassan Ridgeway, who they like. You got to talk about T.Y. McGill. You got to talk about Milton Williams. Now, also, Milton can play outside as well. And ultimately, I think this is this is the guy they think is going to replace Brandon Graham down the road as sort of a guy who can play outside, play inside, and be a really good player. But again, I think that's more about 2022 and moving forward than it is about 2021. He's going to play. But he's going to be a 15, 20-snap-a-game guy, barring injuries. We always say that. But if, if guys get hurt, and, and if he plays well, if he does a, a lot in those limited snaps, he'll probably get on there more. But, boy, when you've got Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave and Derek Barnett and Josh Sweat and Brandon Graham, 
I mean, those guys are going to be on the field for the key snaps in the fourth quarter. They're just too good. Tough to take them off the field. Agreed. All right. One guy who you didn't mention, and I'll take it as somewhat telling. So I'll try and tie you down a little bit further on it. Eagle six-round pick Marlon Tuapolotu, um, who has also been somewhat limited here in the preseason camp, uh, hasn't flashed the way some of the other defensive linemen did. We talk all the time here on the show about how much draft picks affect the way you look at a player. Yeah, he was a sixth-round pick, but he was a pick rather than an undrafted guy or a free agent. Uh, how did they look at him? Does he have any chance to be on the 53? Are they going to be able to get him through waivers if they don't keep him on the 53 and be able to bring him back onto the practice squad? Uh, I would say, yeah, no one, yes. They'll, they'll, I, I think it's a tough numbers game for him. I, I, it's really hard to see a path to the 53. And he hasn't hit the ground running. He hasn't played that well in training camp. He didn't play well in the preseason game. And, yes, they'll be able to get him through waivers and uh, and get him on the 53. One, one of the things with draft picks, and I, I don't know why, maybe because the draft has become such a big thing such a big cottage industry. You have so many draft sites. You have so many uh, draft uh, websites popping up. Um, you know, people say six-round picks, seven-round picks. I mean, look, when the Eagles went through that run where they didn't have any picks because of the Carson Wentz trade, they went back-to-back years with five picks. They were keeping them all. Uh, that's sort of a GM thing. They were keeping them all. When you have 10 picks – when you have 12 picks, when you have 13 picks, sixth and seventh round picks get cut all the time, all the time around this league. Uh, it's really difficult for you to cut, you know, premium picks. And that I'm talking first, second, third round picks. Those guys don't get cut unless something weird happens. Then you start talking, look, if a fourth rounder, it's rare, but if they just show up and they're just so bad, you even see that happen occasionally. And then as you go down fifth, sixth, seventh, yeah, those guys can get cut, and you'll get them through waivers, um, and they'll be on the practice squad. And I, I think that's not necessarily a bad thing uh, for a player like Marlin. He probably needs a little bit of time to get stronger, as a lot of young players do coming out of college. So a so-called redshirt year on the practice squad is probably the best-case scenario for him at this point. All right. Uh, speaking of draft picks, Eagles used a second-round draft pick two years ago on a young man by the name of J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, who did Ooh, not have a very yeah, good rookie yeah. year, came yeah. back and that followed that up with a even less impressive sophomore season and has <clears> been <throat> outplayed in camp by some of the other young wide receivers on this Eagle team, namely uh, Mr. Watkins, who was a later-round draft pick than he was significantly later-round draft pick than he was um, you told me he had a very good day at camp the other day. Yes. Good for him. He's fighting. He's not going to go quietly, but I still think he's going to go, which leads me to the question about the conversation of the Eagles desperately needing a veteran wide receiver in the room. Okay. I think that's overstated. I don't I think it's actually going to happen. I don't think Howie Roseman is trading for one. You just mentioned the fact that the Eagles had a bunch of draft picks this year, where in previous years they didn't because they had to trade up and get Carson Wentz. I think Howie Roseman likes having those draft picks. 
So I don't think he's going to, even if it's a sixth or a seventh round pick, whatever it is, I don't think he's going to give up draft capital to get a veteran wide receiver who's going to come in here and then could very easily be the Eagles' fourth wide receiver. If Devontae Smith is Devontae Smith and uh, Watkins is what he flashed in the first uh, game of the season and Jalen Rager lives up to his first-round status, that veteran you're going to get is going to be fourth. Your fourth wide receiver, you're really going to give a, a pick to acquire a veteran guy? I don't see it. If they get one off the scrap heap and he gets cut, okay, fine. But I don't think how he's going to trade for one. All of this is outside J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. His good day at camp yesterday included in the uh, conversation. What percentage chance would you give J.J. Arcega-Whiteside being with this organization when the first week of the season rolls around? I'm at about 40% now. I was I was low uh, before the last um, seven or ten days about, uh, a little over a week, I would say. I was probably down at, if you would have asked me that question, probably down at 20%. And most of that 20% would have been tied to Howie and, you know, second-round draft picks and what we always say and, uh, wanting your not wanting to admit a mistake, which is a difficult thing to do for a GM in this league. Not only Howie Roseman, most of it would have been tied to that. I, I will tell you, new coaching staff, right? So it doesn't matter what happened year one and year two, technically, uh, in theory. But I can tell you, he was buried on the depth chart. He was buried, so it, it mattered somewhat. They were looking at film maybe of previous seasons and saying, this guy's just not good enough. Um, and all of a sudden, you know, he starts playing well again in training camp, which is not new. He, he generally has always played well in training camp. And actually, I would say he started slower this year than he normally does. But over the past seven days, he's been really good. And all of a sudden, he's better than Travis Fulgham, at least on the practice field. Um but you have the, as you mentioned, Quez Watkins is, is is playing very well. All of a sudden, Jalen Rager's showing signs of life. Devontae Smith is back in team drills. So you start to say, okay, is there a fit for him? I don't know. It's, it's you know, usually if you're deep on the, on the roster, you have to play special teams. If you're an extra wide receiver, that's not really a trait that J.J. does well, but it's also not a trait that Travis Fulgham does well. So I, to me, it comes down to who, who do you want, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside or Travis Fulgham? And if we're talking about the players in camp right now, because I think everyone that Smith's going to be here, Rager's going to be here, Watkins is going to be here, Ward's going to be here, then you keep five, it's Fulgham or Ortega-Whiteside, if you keep six, it's both of them. It's not going to be John Hightower, who's been non-existent, I would think. But even then, Hightower might project to be a little bit better on special teams because of his speed than those two guys. It's one of the more interesting debates as far as this roster goes. And I, I, I personally would probably keep Travis Fulgham because he he showed he can do it on the field. If only for a month, I would default to that over what I've seen over, you know, essentially a two-plus year period for J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. 
But this coaching staff says they're about competition. We've talked about this all summer. We talked about this dating back to the spring, Jody. If they're about competition and JJ's out playing Travis Fulgham, well, you know, are, uh, how, how important is that credibility? I don't know. Well, you said the ability to get done on the field, and Fulgham did last year. Well, Hightower did it more than Quez Watkins. Now, I get it. Quez Watkins has stepped up and had a big camp, made a big play in the game, had almost two big plays. Hightower's been hurt. Hightower's flashed nothing. How much the fact that Hightower was a higher draft pick than Quez Watkins is going to play into this? Is it just a foregone conclusion that they get him through to the practice squad? Are they okay with, hey, if we lose John Hightower, we lose John Hightower. That's not going to be judged as a mistake by Howie Roseman. How does Hightower fit into the mix? Yeah, yeah, I think it's more of if we lose him, we lose him. I don't think they're going to lose him. I think they'll be able to get him through to the practice squad. And you're talking about fifth-round pick versus sixth-round pick. Again, that's sort of like you're throwing darts at the dartboard and you say, who cares? Okay, the sixth-round pick's better than the fifth-round pick. Um, yeah, John just – he didn't play well. He got open at times as a rookie. Uh, he played well in camp. He had a role early in the season from week one. He would get open and he would just drop the football uh, uh, deep. So I don't even think he played better. Uh, he just got more of an opportunity than Quez Watkins. Late in the season, in a very, very small sample size, Quez Watkins actually showed more uh, had that great little slip screen that he turned into a touchdown. That was really the first time you could see his explosiveness. They're both, you know, stopwatch speed-wise. They're both really fast, but Watkins just seems faster on the field. Um, You saw him blow by people. Cut, You know, the one Pittsburgh defensive back had an angle, and he just erased it. Mm -hmm. Um, It it was pretty impressive. So he looks uh, uh, more field-fast, as they call it, just a better player. And then practice is a big part of this. It might be the biggest part of it. Quez has consistently outplayed everybody in practice. He has been the Eagles' best receiver in practice. Now, remember, Devontae's been out for a long time. So he's out of the, the, the equation. He's been better than Rager. He's been better than Ward. He's been better than Fulgham. He's been better than J.J. And he's certainly better than John Hightower before he got hurt. He's been their best receiver. Question is, and we, we mentioned this with Ross Tucker as well, if Quez Watkins does this, if, you know, I can tell you, Jay, different type of player, but J.J. was great in training camp as a rookie. J.J. was really good in training camp as a sophomore. It didn't translate. So just because Quez Watkins is looking good in the preseason, looking good in practice, doesn't mean it's going to translate. He's got to finish the job. I say it all the time. He's got to finish the job, not only in the preseason, then week one in Atlanta, it starts. If you're a big part of this offense, you got to start producing from week one. And it, the reason and it becomes why I'm... more difficult, Jody, because teams are obviously have their best players on the field at all times, and they're preparing for you. The reason why I'm more optimistic than uh, worrisome about Quez Watkins is last year, like you said, he was a complete non-factor for the first half of the season. Late in the season, he got a little bit of a chance. 
He caught seven balls for over 100 yards. He averaged 15 yards a catch, including a touchdown. John Hightower didn't do that. J.J. Arcega-Whiteside no. has never done that, and he's had two years' chances to do that. So that's why I'm uh, believing I'm glass half full on Quez Watkins. In a very small sample size, size last year, he did flash in season. There's flashing in practice in preseason. There's flashing in preseason games. And then there's a the regular season. Well, I, I'm going to take what he's doing in practice this year and to add to that what he did against the Steelers last week and go, this is not a flash. This is actuality. This is what the guy can do when it counts on Sunday. We saw a little bit about that last year. And, yeah, I know the Eagles were 4-11-1. and They finished 4-11-1. and As you and I have noted uh, when we first started the show, because we started the uh, Birds 365 reviewing the mess that was 2020, up until the last week of the season, when they tanked, Doug Peterson, shame on you. Um, they were still in the playoff mix. They might have been bad, yeah. but mathematically, week 16, if this, if that, if the other thing, the Eagles could have won the stinking division. So yeah. those were the games that Watkins were playing in. It wasn't like, a, all right, we stink, let's just throw all our young guys out there and get a look at them. No, he was making those plays while the game still counted, while the Eagles were at least mathematically still in the race to win the worst division in football. Yeah, I always I always think back, and Brandon Brooks was was rehabbing so hard to get back because the Eagles were in the playoff race. And if they miraculously made the playoffs, he was going to play in the playoffs. He got cleared for Week 17, and he was going to play in the playoffs. By that point, it was over. But it was amazing. It was that close. They were in it. That's how bad that division was. But you're right. I mean, Quas has been great. He, he's splashed in small sample size. Our buddy Ed Kratz is going to be on after the break. He's going to tell you how good he's been in practice. He's the best receiver. But until you do it on Sundays on a consistent basis, you got to put that. You got to put that caveat in there. You can't. What I'm trying to say is you can't count on Quez Watkins like you can count on, you know, whoever. What receiver you want to throw out there. Look in the division. Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb, um, Kenny Galladay, now in New York, uh, Terry McLaurin. Terry McLaurin, yeah. He's not those guys. He's not those guys. You got to prove that. Those guys are are proven commodities. That's my concern with the Eagles receiver course. I will say I have a lot more optimism than I've had in a long time with this group. But nobody is proven. And you got to be realistic about that. Yeah, hold on. Uh, I'm getting a text. Oh, that's Deshaun Watson say, uh Deshaun Jackson saying, what is McC what is uh, Johnny Mac saying about more faith this year than like sorry, Deshaun, you were always hurt. We knew you could play, but you actually have to be able to get out there on the field, which you didn't do enough uh, the last year. All right, uh, quick timeout coming as John noted. Ed Kratz, our bud, is gonna hop aboard, take us through the uh, final forty here on Birds three sixty five. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. 
Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Coming back here on Birds 365, the Mac and Mac guys, McBone and McDonald. Uh, let's get our next guest up here. He's all stretched out. Did you see me stretching? He's ready to get at it. John Drunning, mate from Sports Illustrated, Ed Kratz here with us on Birds 365. How are you, Eddie? Hey, I'm great, man. Isn't this like a big milestone show for me? Number 10? Didn't I reach Is double digits? Have you reached double digits now, Kratz? I, I didn't know. I think I might have. I didn't know. That's almost 10%. That's above 10%. We haven't hit 100 yet, have yeah, we? Yeah, we're so? in the 90s. We're in the 90s. You're right about 10%. The, okay. the, the, the most featured, and I would argue best guest at Birds 365, the great Ed Kratz. And hey. a big day for you. Long day for us, Ed. And I know you got started even earlier than this uh, on a different program. But I, I do want to talk about what we were uh, debating a little bit before. Uh, before the break, before you came on, and that's Quez Watkins. And this receiving group as a whole, boy, they picked it up in the past week. And it's not only Quez, it's not only Jalen Rager, Devontae Smith is back, and all of a sudden, 
back from the dead, like the Undertaker raising from the casket, the casket match. That's for Jody, not for you, Ed. J.J. Arthega Whiteside. I tell Jody how, how well J.J. played the other day. Uh, well, first, I'm, I'm just trying to get 1% better every day. I wanted to throw <laughs> that out there. And I'm, I'm ready to attack the day and attack this show for sure. Uh, but, uh, now that we got that out of the way, yeah, J.J. Ortega Whiteside looks like uh, him and Travis Fulgham are maybe they're battling for, the, you know, one of these spots on the final 53. Uh, but, you know, listen, Ortega Whiteside does this every summer, John, yeah, right? We yes, see he him. He's Mr. August. He comes out. Looks good. But then when the season starts, he doesn't do anything. But this is a new staff. This is a staff that is really coaching up these receivers. Uh, so maybe things are different, are going to be different for Ortega Whiteside. Maybe they will actually get him involved because that's kind of been the problem when the season started is that they don't get him involved. Um, but so maybe they try to find ways to get him involved. And I know Eagles fans are just going to, you know, scream to the high heavens if, Arcega Whiteside makes this team over Travis Fulgham. But frankly, Fulgham really hasn't shown up well. He played 19 snaps against the Steelers in the opener, wasn't targeted once. 11 players got targets in that game. Ortega Whiteside was not one of them. Um, so, listen, to me right now, Ortega Whiteside has a spot on this team. And I promised myself I wasn't going to buy into him this year after going all in last summer. But here I am. I'm I'm back on the Ortega Whiteside train. I don't know where it's going to lead me. It might hit a you know it might hit a wall or run into the tunnel somewhere along the line. But right now I'm all in. For all me, right. it's got more to do. Real quick before you jump in, Joey. Sure. To to me, it's got more to do with Joe John Williams of the Patriots, who completely shut down Travis Fulgham. I mean, yeah. completely. He couldn't yeah. get a, an inch of separation from this guy. I'm like, what has happened to Travis Fulgham? So more than J.J., for me, it's got to do with the descent of Travis Fulgham in practice, at least over the past week to 10 days. And I'll say also that Andre Patton uh, has looked better than Travis Fulgham. And Andre Patton is a special teams guy as well. Um, so, you know, to me, Fulgham's got an uphill climb here. I know he has that five-game flurry last year where he looked fantastic, but Listen, if you're not showing what the coaches what they need to see, then then your job's going to be in jeopardy. As simple as that. Right. And above and beyond the DB from New England that John seems to have fallen in love with because awesome. he ate up uh, John uh, Travis Fogum. Um, part of what you guys had to do the past couple of days in evaluating the Eagles was to evaluate the Patriots because you're getting practice against another team. It's different than watching them go against their teammates so you got a pretty good look at what the Pats are or aren't. Last year, they were a below 500 team. That just doesn't happen to Bill Belichick coach teams. It did. They were 7-9, which is better than 4-11-1, which the Eagles were. But they look like they could be below a 500 team again. That's my take. I wasn't there. You guys were there. Is Belichick going to be coaching back-to-back -back losing teams? What did you think about what the Patriots showed against the Eagles? Yeah, I, I was not impressed at all with the Patriots. Now, I know they beat the Washington football team in the preseason opener. They did some good things. Um, but as, as one, of, one of my colleagues, one of our colleagues, John, mentioned to me this week, he sees a nine-win team, five wins for the Patriots and four wins for the Eagles. So, <laughs> you know, I thought that was funny. But uh, you know, the Patriots' offensive line, to me, does not look good. It kind of 
made me wonder if, hey, while they're in town, why don't you try to send them Andre Diller to maybe get back Nikhil Harry? Um, because I think the Eagles could use another receiver, and I think the Patriots' offensive line does not look good. And their quarterbacks, I thought Joe Flacco was better than either Cam Newton or Mac Jones on Monday. Now, I think Tuesday, uh, Mac, you know, Flacco wasn't as sharp, I don't think, on Tuesday. Um, still made some nice throws. But Monday, Flacco looked better, and I was wondering if Belichick's thinking to himself, why didn't we sign this guy? Um, but Cam Newton, to me, looks like a – I don't know. He, he looks a little shot to me. Mac Jones, I think, has the ability and the potential to become a good quarterback, but he's not there yet. Um, you know, I think he should start. I think they should start this process right away, get him some reps. But uh, I don't see the Patriots winning, you know, more than seven games myself, to be honest with you. I think they're lacking at many positions. Now, their linebacker core is very good, but other than that, and I like the running back. I like this Ramondre Stevenson, the kid from – I think it's Oklahoma State. Correct. Uh, who, who's a – I wish the Eagles would have drafted him. He's a six-foot, 245-pound hammer. Uh, and I think that'll be a good mix with Sony Michelle, who's got a different skill set. So I, I like that part of it. I'm just not sold on that offensive line. And even that defensive line, I thought, uh, needs some work. And listen, that's kind of where it starts, right, is up front. And I think the Patriots are a little lacking in, you know, in the trenches on both yeah. sides of the line. Yeah, the old adage is, you know, you, you got to get the quarterback or you got to get to the quarterback. I don't think the Patriots have either. I, I Cam Newton did not impress me at this stage of his career. No. You got second-year players like Kayvon Wallace talking trash to him. I mean, this is a former MVP. Uh, they have no pass rushers. Yeah, I, I mean, the only reason I can think the Patriots can be near 500 is because of Bill Belichick um, and, and sort of – he seems to always get a little bit more out of what he has than he probably should. But I'm with you. I'm pulling the trigger on Mac Jones week one. I mean, what's the point? If Cam Newton's going to play the way he's playing, I got to get Mac Jones out there and see what he can do. Um, from the Eagles' perspective, then how much can you take out of it? We both look at the Patriots and say, uh, it doesn't look that good. The Eagles look good, but what does it mean? with with the lack of talent on the other side of the football? Well, I, I think it helps the confidence. You know, I, I think that's a big part of it. I mean, yeah, the Eagles have some veterans on this team, but I think guys like Jalen Rager, you know, these young receivers, obviously Jalen Hurts, a young quarterback, I think it helps their, their confidence. You know, I think it allows them to look at film now and feel like, yeah, I, I did some good things. And now you can build on that uh, regardless of who the opponent was. Now, look, they go against the Jets next week. How good of a, a test is that going to be? How much are you going to learn against, you know, a Jets team that there aren't great <laughs> experts? Watch yourself, Watch yourself Greg. You know, I'm treading on Watch thin ground here. I, I know I'm walking on thin ice here, Jody. I apologize. But um, to stay with the Patriots, yeah, I think that's what you get out of it from the Eagles is just the encouragement. And listen, you know, you were talking about Quez and Jalen showing up these last two days in practice. Um, I, I think the chemistry is starting to build, right? I mean, with with Hertz and Rager and and uh, and um, Quez, uh, and now we'll see it probably start to build with Devonte Smith. But I think that's very important, and I think the key to that chemistry that we see kind of growing a little bit is that all Nick Sirianni's offensive installations are in. They've been in for over a week now. And so now they're practicing these plays that have been installed over and over again. So they're able to kind of hone in on the finer techniques of it and work on those, you know, on those plays over and over repeatedly. Repetition brings 
success and comfort, according to Jalen Hurts. But now we're seeing that is now they're working on these same plays and now they're able to start building that chemistry. I, I really love what Nick Sirianni's done in that regard is that he has given this, this offense all its plays that it's going to have. Now that'll change from week to week. Maybe they'll put some different installations in, but right now they're just working on these same plays over and over and, and building this chemistry, which I love. It's, it's been really kind of fun to watch, to be honest. All right, Eddie Kratz, uh, a position that I'm going to be interested in watching tonight, and I need you to project ahead of time what the coaching staff is hoping to get out of it, is the running back position. Miles Sanders did not play week one, protecting him. They've got a good enough grasp of what he can do. Uh, Do they still feel the same way going into week two? He did what he did during the practices. How does that play going into the actual game here on Thursday night? The rest of the running back crew, we know it's not going to include Kerryon Johnson since uh, he was given the quick evo by the Eagles. The rest of the guys, how do you think they disperse the playing time and the touches? What are the Eagles looking to accomplish out of their running back position tonight? Well, they only they only called 10 running plays against the Steelers. They only had 42 offensive plays. They were just dominated in time of possession. So, uh, you know, they did not run any plays. Chip Kelly would not have been happy because it was all about plays run with Chip, not time of possession. Yeah. But the Eagles were – He wouldn't have cared about the time of possession, but yeah. No, as long as they ran 75 to 80 yeah. plays during that time. But, you know, in the 18-plus minutes the Eagles had the ball against the Steelers, they only ran 42 plays. So, uh, not good. Ten of them were running plays. Now, listen, I, I think this is an offense that's going to be predicated on the RPO, and I don't I just don't think uh, Sirianni's going to show much of that uh, because we've seen in practice and, you know, different variations, different plays that they've run out of this RPO. You know, we've seen Hurts fake the handoff, run to his right, and then pull up and throw or look like he's going to run, then pull up and throw over the top. Uh, we've seen that. We're not going to see that in the preseason, I'm pretty sure. So we have really not seen a whole lot of what they're going to do in the run game. It's kind of just been zone read stuff, you know, some quick hitters here and there. And that that's probably what we'll see on tonight, Jody, is, is that kind of a running attack. But I think they need to run more plays on the ground, uh, get this offensive line in sync run blocking, um, to me, this competition at running back is sort of over. I think they've got their four guys that they're going to keep and Sanders, Boston Scott, Kenny Gainwell, and Jordan Howard. I think Jason Huntley right now, he's got this rib injury. I don't know. You know, he, I thought he did some good things against the Steelers, but you know, right now he's kind of a little behind the eight ball because of this injury. So he's on the outside looking in. I think they'll keep four. Um, I doubt they'll keep five, but certainly if they do, it would be Huntley. And then Elijah Holyfield's going to be, you know, released and hopefully added to the practice squad. But uh, you're right. Sanders won't probably won't play tonight. Now, if he does play, then maybe the Eagles are concerned that they've seen too many drops from him and they want to see if he can catch the ball in a game out of the backfield because he has, I, he dropped his fourth pass at camp and what I've seen, you know, on I think Monday or Tuesday. So I don't think he'll play. I think you'll see a lot of Kenny Gainwell, uh, Jordan Howard, and Boston Scott. And you hope that each of these guys, I think they only each had two carries last week. I think you would like to see maybe somebody kind of get five or six carries and get in the flow yeah. of the game. You well, know who was? You know yeah, who it was that they had so few plays last week? That Quez Watkins. Tell him not to take off on an 80-yard one play. <laughs> see you later. Turn the ball back to the other team, yeah. and you'll be perfectly fine. You'll get plenty enough chances to run the football. Well, that mm-hmm. and Jody also, if you get a first down in the second half, that might help you. That yeah. might You might be able to run the football a little bit more from that perspective. So well, they need 
you know, and Nick was honest. He said the first and second team was pretty sharp. Uh, Chris was the term he used. Um, and then the third team just completely fell apart in the second half. The Eagles barely held the football. But Nick was also honest about the joint practice and how that affects his thinking in advance of the, the preseason game. So I want to talk about playing time. And it starts with Jalen Hurts. He said, look, I mean, we got good reps in against the Patriots, and we can do more in practice because only one team is seeing it. And we have this relationship, and there's a trust involved where if you show everything to 32 teams, the 31 other teams technically um, on national television, the NFL Network, that's a little bit different. So last week it was 10 snaps. How much more, or are we going to see another cameo appearance from Jalen Hurts? That's a good question. I mean, yeah, these two practices they had were very spirited. They got a lot of good work. It it almost feels like tonight's game is going to be a little anticlimactic, which is unfortunate for the fans that will be there that maybe they weren't able to see these practices. Uh, I don't know if they were streamed live on the Eagles site or not, but, um, you know, I I think tonight feels a little more anticlimactic. But as far as Jalen Hurts goes, I, I would love to see more from him in a game situation. Um, I would love to see him play a quarter uh, or a quarter and a half, but I, I'm not sure Sirianni sees it that way. And I'm not sure he will not play his starters again on Thursday. I mean, he may throw them out there for a series as well on Thursday against the Jets because you still have that two-week lag time between – August 27th and the season opener on September 12th. So, you know, you might even see them for a series against the Jets. But as far as tonight, I think you'll see him. I don't think you'll see him very long or as long as we would like to see Jalen Hurts. I think you'll see the first team line out there for a series, maybe two, because now Isaac Siamalu has returned uh, with Brandon Brooks. So maybe you'd like to see that first team unit kind of start to build a little chemistry and gel together in a game. I think we'll see the starters. I just don't know how long they're going to play, uh, unfortunately. But he made, Sirianni made a good point. They did get a lot of good work in Monday and Tuesday. All right. Ed Kratz, you get one of my favorite qu- questions, the percentage question. I'm going to give you a scenario <laughs> with three possibilities. I need you to break it down into 100% for me. Tyreek Jackson, injured yesterday, fracturing his back, not going to pr- require surgery, but as of now expected to miss eight to ten weeks. One of three things can happen. The Eagles could just put him on the IR now and know that he's going to be out for the entire season, but they protect him. They save a spot on the 53-man roster, but they know he's not going to be able to work out with the team and team functions all year long. Two, they put him on the 53 and then move him to the IR thereafter and know they're going to be at some point possibly bringing him back. Or, number three, they risk putting him through waivers. They get a good conversation, a good belief. We're going to re-sign you for the practice squad. We'll put you on IR as soon as we get you back here. We want you, Tyree, but we need the spot on the 53. And they risk putting them out there where someone else can claim them. Give me the percentage breakdown. Makes the 53, goes to IR, goes immediately to IR, or gets waived and then gets brought back if he's not scooped up. Give me the percentage breakout on those three possibilities. I'm going to go 98% that he gets put on IR, 1% with the second option, and then 1% with the third option. Uh, I just think that, listen, he he looked great 
in the camp. He looked good in the first preseason game. I, I'm going to miss watching the guy play. I mean, he's he looked really good. He was fun to watch, and that that play where he hurt himself happened right in front of us. I mean, and you know, unbelievable a, catch too. It, it unbelievable. It was a really loud thud, and he laid there. And I'm and I'm thinking if all he did was get the wind knocked out of him, he's lucky. And then the next day we hear he broke a bone in his back. But I wouldn't risk losing him at all. Even though he wouldn't be able to practice in team functions if you put him on IR, he's been working with a, a coach since November from the University of Buffalo that has helped him train to become a tight end. So, listen, now you have some familiarity with the playbook, right? You've been through all the installations. You know what this team's running this year. So it doesn't matter if they can't practice him in the facility. He can go wherever and work with his coach. He knows the offense and just build on it from there and get better and come back even more of a polished player than he is this what we've seen in camp. He's only 23 years old. He'll be 24 next year. He's a young kid. There's no way. No way I risk losing him to waivers or to another team if you try to sneak him through. I'm putting him on injured reserve, and I'm just going to let him continue to build with the coach he's been working with. Yeah, good point. Red shirt year for Tyree Jackson. It was interesting uh, to see the Eagles and Patriots at, at camp. You know, Monday, I think it was, Ed, we were about five feet away from Howie Roseman and the Patriots de facto GM. Uh, trying to overhear what they were saying. Um, And then you see uh, Nick Sirianni, uh, you know, going back and you have Bill Belichick there. I I thought it was interesting the past couple of days. We talked about this since Nick Sirianni got hired and we saw the coaching staff develop and you see Michael Clay, the youngest special teams, the youngest coordinator. He's the Eagles special teams coordinator. Nick Rollis, the youngest position coach, Jonathan Gannon, 38 years old. And, and by the way, that, that guy's going to be a future head coach in this league. And we say, where's the sounding board? Who's the guy who's going to give advice to Nick Sirianni? Well, lo and behold, little unconventional routes. Who's at practice the last three days or so? Mike McCoy uh, helping Nick Sirianni out just as the goat comes into town. Now, you know, people can say what they want about Mike McCoy, but he's done it before, very similar to Jim Swartz when Doug Peterson was here. So maybe he doesn't have the title, at least yet, but if he can get that sounding board in a different way, somebody who's done it, I'd like the way Nick Sirianni is thinking with these types of things. Absolutely. I mean, we kind of joked that, you know, the first couple of days, McCoy wasn't wearing anything with Eagles green. Then the last day, the next thing you know, he's got a green shirt, a black shirt. <laughs> maybe, maybe they hired him. Who knows? <laughs> or maybe he saw Doug Peterson get some free swag from yeah, the yeah. Bears when he was in their camps. And he said, hey, where's my stuff? Uh, but, but yeah, Mike McCoy, obviously a good offensive mind in this league and um, former, you know, he had uh, Nick on his staff. Uh, great brought great to bring him in. And then um, they brought in Eddie Royal uh, receiver from the chargers on an internship. Who's really done uh, according to Nick, he's really done a good job working with Rager and Watkins Two two receivers, by the way, who had similar skill sets to Eddie Royal when he was in the league. And, you know, Royal had a nice nine, 10 year run in the NFL and uh, made some big plays. He averaged over 10 yards a catch, uh, you know, but, he's been a help. So yeah, Sirianni's looking over under every rock he can to help this team. And he's comfortable in the fact that, yeah, I'm the head coach. I'm not threatened by anybody here. So I'm going to delegate. I'm going to find whoever I can 
to help me help this team get better. I like that about uh, Sirianni. And, you know, we look, we've seen it with other coaches too. They bring in, you know, people they're familiar with. Uh, but you have to be comfortable in your own skin to want to do that because you don't want to feel threatened. And, and I think Nick does. All right, uh, Ed Kratz, I'm going to ask you to do math, only this one is going to be much easier than figuring out percentages of, of what could happen yeah. to the Eagles. Uh, easy math last week. At 24 to 16, believe it or not, that was the highest scoring game in the National Football League last week. Mm. Eagles Steelers 40 points was the high mark. First game of the week ended up the highest scoring game of the week. Everything else came in under 40 points scored. I'm going to set the under over for Patriots Eagles at 39 and a half. We going over or under? Um, well, I'm going to take the under, I guess, under. right? I mean, based on that, I mean, I, listen, the under sounds like it hit on all counts last week. So uh, I'm going the under. Now, 39 and a half, what's that make the score? Like 20 to 17, somewhere in that neighborhood? 20 to 17 would be yeah. under. Yeah, but if it's 24 to 17, it's the over. That's why you got to make the call, cracks. <laughs> yeah. I would take the under. I'm still going to go the under um, because I think, although, you know, that having said that, this secondary of the Eagles is still, the cornerbacks is still a concern um, because Slay and Nelson, they're not going to play much. But I haven't seen, uh, I mean, Zach McPherson's kind of come back to earth a little bit, I think. Yeah, he um, has. And then Michael Jaquette has kind of, you know, he's done okay, but hasn't really excited me. So, you know, look, if the Patriots are inclined, I think they'll be able to put up some points, um, you know, against this secondary. But I don't think it'll be enough, Jody. I think it's still going to be the under at 39 and a half. Put me down for the under for a cheesesteak. I'm writing that down. Yeah. Okay. And for entertainment purposes only, because my advice is don't bet on anything in preseason football. (laughs) You don't bet preseason don't bet anything on preseason football. Wait for the regular season when people are actually trying to win games and try to make some sense. You probably have a, a better feel for what's going to happen. But that's just free advice, and it's it's worth what it costs. Um, oh, but, oh, by the way, I just checked it. I didn't know. The actual under-over is 38 yeah. and a half. So I oh, gave yeah. you a little bit more leeway to play Ooh, with you by, by throwing it to you at 39 and a half. Ooh. If you do want to bet it, and you're looking toward the uh, under, it's going to be a little bit of a tighter squeeze because it's actually mm. 38 and a half. We, yeah. we got our own Jody Max sports book here working on first <laughs> hey, 365. You got to take care now, of the peeps, Johnny yeah, Mac. You got to take care of, but I'm not going to ask you who's going to win this game because it doesn't matter who wins this game. But I do want to say, give me a couple bubble players you're, you're looking about, guys who got to perform well that are maybe on the brink and it can go either way. We kind of talked about two of them, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, Travis Fulgham. Defensive side of the ball, some of the linebackers might be battling for roster spots. That offensive line is really deep. You can't keep everybody. Uh, who, who's kind of playing for their job as we move forward? Yeah, um, Gosh, of the bigger names, I may, you know, maybe Sean Bradley. I mean, I don't think he really played a very strong game against Pittsburgh. I know he was a draft pick, late round pick last year, crowd favorite out of Temple. Um, but listen, I think he needs to play better at that linebacker position. Um, he he could be trying to play his way into a role. I Listen, I like this Eagle linebacker core with Singleton. I think he's really good. And T.J. Edwards has done well. And then you throw in Eric Wilson – 
Um, you know, and Davion Taylor is still hurt, and you wonder about Davion Taylor if he'll if he'll be put on IR before the season. Uh, he won't play tonight. Um, some some others, maybe Elijah Riley could be playing for a spot on this team. You know, he's done. He had the interception against Pittsburgh, but you know now Kayvon Wallace is back at safety. Um, Blake Countess played okay last week, but Elijah Riley's a guy who made the team last year that could be, you know, playing for one of those bubble spots tonight. Um, also on defense, I, I look at defensive tackle where you have Raquan Williams, who was on this team last year, and T.Y. McGill, who was also on this team last year. McGill had a really nice bull rush sack against the Steelers. That guy's short, but, man, he's so stout and so quick. Um, and Raquan Williams, same thing. He's a little taller, but he's very quick. Uh, but I think both of those guys could be battling for that fifth defensive tackle spot. I, I think Hassan Ridgeway, maybe you want to throw him in there too. He, he uh, has not been healthy his first two years in Philly. He's played seven games each year before getting hurt. Um, but yeah, I, I could see the defensive tackle spot being one with Ridgeway, McGill, and Williams. And then it's safety, Elijah Riley, and linebacker Sean Bradley, I think, could be guys playing on, on the bubble here. All right, I'm going to go one further. I know you asked uh, Eddie this, but I'm going to answer to John. A uh, guy I uh, brought up with you earlier, and he might actually play well enough to cause a problem <laughs> and an issue. I'm going with Marlon to a Peloto. If he gets the big trifecta tonight, a sack, a pass deflected, and a loss, a tackle for loss on a running play, he might be good enough to take a, oh, shoot, we can't get him through waivers. We might have to keep him on the 53. If he really flashes tonight, he might cause issues for Howie Roseman. I'm predicting that just because right. I'm that kind I'm of gonna, guy. I uh, like uh, chaos. And, and now you prompted me into giving some betting advice. If you can get that prop bet that Jody just threw out there, bet against it. Because it ain't gonna happen for Mark. <laughs> yeah, you get you get that. You probably get about five hundred to one. Yeah. A a tackle for loss, a sack, and a pass block. Yeah. You, get, you should get five hundred to one. There are some. There are so many wagering sites out there these days. I bet you you could find one that has one pretty yeah. damn similar. As a matter of fact. Well, Eddie Crack said the tenth appearance was as good as your first appearance, or your sixth, or your eighth. That's why we love Kratz. He is just stone cold solid. Consistency <laughs> is the key to life, and that's what we get out of Ed Kratz whenever we punch him up. And he uh, enjoyed the game tonight. Don't sit next to McMullen. He sweats. So see if you can find yourself a <laughs> better spot in the box somewhere. Yeah. Okay. But the thing about McMullen is he brings me food. You know. <laughs> okay. Good. Hey, you got to do what you got to do. Ed Kratz <laughs> from Sports Illustrated here with us on Birds Three Sixty Five. All right, guys. we'll come back. Put a bow on the show. It's McMullen and McDonald here with you on Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life. Count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic 
Tropical Heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fought. What's that? Huck and Fought. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. I'm down the home stretch of a Birds 365 game day edition. Yes, that's right. Game day. Eagles in action tonight against the Patriots after a couple joint practices against New England. They'll actually do it with their full pads and shoulders and everything involved in referees. And, yeah, oh, by the way, they're going to open up the gates. A whole bunch of Eagle fans will come in. Uh, how many do you think they had uh, for first exhibition game, John? Everybody back uh, let back into the stadium. Well, I'm going to go, your... uh, go 50,000. There was 50,000. Now, if you're talking about by the third quarter, there was a lot less, but I I think that it's at its apex. I might, might I might even go fifty five if you think mm. about it. It's about seventy. It was pretty full. About the same this week, or do you think uh, higher last week because of the hey we missed out on the majority of the ability to get into the arena last year with the COVID restrictions? About the same this week or less? I'm going to say about the same for this reason. I would say less because people will remember, oh, this is preseason. This isn't any fun. But then you have the Patriots. The Patriots, even though it's not Tom Brady, there's still some cachet there uh, with them coming in. So I think people will want to see the Patriots a little bit. So I'm going to say it holds up pretty well. Fair enough. All right. Yeah, you asked Ed Kratz this question. So I'm going to turn around and ask you this question. Give me a bubble guy. Give me someone who 
we're not necessarily fighting for their job this week because they're going to cut from 85 to 80. But the week after, when they got to get to the 53, a guy who might have the odds stacked against them, not a foregone conclusion that they're going to be cut, but a uh, uh, swimming up uh, stream kind of guy. Give me a uh, bubble guy who might be able to open some eyes tonight. I'm interested in the, the back end of that offensive line because I, I mentioned Ed. He didn't bring it up, but you can't keep everybody. And I think Brett uh, Toth uh, has opened up some eyes. He had that great block on Quez Watkins' touchdown. Richard Rogers, sort of post sides. Richard Rogers said the kick out. Toth uh, did his job inside the seal block. And he can play both sides. He can play left tackle, right tackle. They've started even giving him a few reps and individual drills inside. That tells me the Eagles are saying, all right, let's see how versatile this kid is. Can we find a way to keep him around? Look, they probably can't unless they move Andre Dillard or Matt Pryor or somebody like that. But it it gives you a little bit more confidence to pull the trigger on potential trades if you know you have somebody else who you think you can play. And he's he's a guy that if he keeps keeps playing well, I think it makes it more and more likely that the Eagles keep him and try to spin off some other guys. All right. And once again, because I'm a jerk and I uh, readily admit that I'm a jerk, so I ask jerky questions. You're a nicer guy than I am. You wouldn't <laughs> ask Ed to Depends make a pick on the game. Oh, oh, I'm a jerk. Uh, so I'm going to ask you to make a prediction on the game. No full well, the outcome doesn't oh. really matter at all. But yeah. give me a score, McMullen. 38 and a half, the under over. Where, which way are you going? Well, I think it's a must-win game. Nick Sirianni's got to get his first win as a head. I'm joking. I'm joking. Obviously. You don't want to go 0-2. People are going to say, Nick Sirianni's 0-2 in the preseason. I think the Eagles are going to figure out a way to win this football game, Jody. I think they're going to get a first down in the second half, and I think that's going to be the difference. I think that turns a a loss to a win. I think the first team's going to be sharp. The second team's going to be sharp. And Nick Mullins is going to be better than a four-yard, two interception performance it can't get worse for nick mullins you got a good point there uh i got the vegas sides in front of me different sites anywhere from a half a point choice to a two-point choice are the new england patriots patriots are the road favorite coming in here as a matter of fact i'm going to tell everybody take the eagles because the final score tonight will be eagles 20 patriots 20 and they do not play overtime in preseason yeah, games. Thank God. Thank thank, thank the Lord that they don't do that. McMullen will get out of there late, but a later, better late than ever type time because the final score will end in a 20-20 tie, which is the over 38 and a half. And the Eagles with a win because they're a dog tonight against yeah. the Patriots. By the way, anybody putting that line together in Vegas or wherever, they didn't they weren't at joint practices. That's what I was talking about with the Patriots still having that Tom Brady sort of cachet. People say, oh it's the Patriots. Let's make him a favor. Lock it in. The 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 goat of coaches, Mr. Belichick going down this week against the Philadelphia Eagles. We'll be right back here tomorrow to talk about it. Johnny Mack, have a good time down at the stadium tonight. Looking forward to talking to you tomorrow. Yeah, I got to leave. I got to beat the traffic, Jody.
He's leaving now. So are we. Catch you tomorrow, everybody. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.